0: Thank you. to the Carrero Podcast. I am Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today our guest is Tracy Greenwood. Tracy is married to Jeff, who is also a teacher, and has two children, Lucas, who is 11, and Alyssa, who's 6. They live in the seaside community, Tae, which is East Auckland, and she is a learning designer and learning coach at Ormiston Junior College. You can follow Tracy on Twitter at Tracy, T-R-A-C-E-Y-T-A-I-T, with the number 1. Hi Tracy, thanks so much for joining us today, we're so happy to have you as a guest. So based on your bio you shared with us, you've gone from teaching in the UK to New Zealand. We would like to know a little bit about what you've noticed uh, are the biggest differences in those two educational systems.
1: Um, To be fair, when I first went over, I did a lot of relief work because I went over with my husband and we were intending of just relieving and traveling and stuff like that. Um, and so when I was relieving in a lot of the different schools, um, it is very structured and it's very, um, it's much more rigid than what I would say our, our New Zealand curriculum is. We're very lucky over here in New Zealand that we have quite a um, flexible curriculum um, and that depending on your school, you can make it quite place-based um, and, and, yeah, relative to what you're doing. Um, I found in the UK it was... Um, and, and keep in mind, this may not be like the whole of the UK, but mm-hmm. just where cool. I was um, based, um, it was almost like, you know, the same scheme of work that, um, you know, they'd been doing for 10 years and they just rolled it out yes. You know, year after year. very (laughs) American. Yeah. Um, But then I was very fortunate. Um, I found a job and um, it was in what we call private, but they call public over there. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the um, parents paid for it. Um, And because it was small and I had a very kind of forward thinking headmaster, he was quite happy for me to roll with what I wanted to do as long as I could justify it. Um, And so I was allowed to bring in a lot of the, the style of learning and, Um, that I would do in New Zealand anyway so Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard for me to compare the two education systems because somehow I kind of sneaked in the New Zealand stuff into well not New Zealand stuff it was all you know English context and I looked at their curriculum and what they needed to cover and stuff like that but the way I taught it was very similar to the way that I would teach over here as well.
0: Yeah it's funny how your your philosophy just you can't change it. Like you just, it's in you, yeah. right? Like that's how you yeah. teach. Yeah. Well, so.
1: I'm very different though. I must admit from when I first started teaching though, my philosophy around education has um, progressed and changed obviously uh, with experience. Um, but Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit more about
0: that? What, like, how it's changed and progressed?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, I suppose going into teaching, I've been teaching coming up 20 years now, give or take, um, having some time off for my children. And um, I suppose when I came out of um, university and went into teaching, it was still very much um, teacher at the front of the classroom, and Mm we have, you know, the fontable knowledge. And I hate to Admit to how old I am, but you know we had very little technology and, mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. So we were, we were the ones that had all the knowledge and we're trying to impart it to to the learners. Um, but obviously, as the years have progressed and as technologies, you know, come to the forefront and access to all of that stuff has opened up, um, my philosophy has changed a lot. It's now very um, student centred and relational um, based. It's um, very collaborative. I believe that, you know, we work better when we work with others. And um, I suppose it's about more about developing um, the conditions for learning Mm -hmm. as opposed to me being able to, um, to teach them everything. I still... I still believe knowledge is very important and I think um, one thing that scares people over here in New Zealand and I suppose in, in other um, education systems around the world is that the more we move to an inquiry learning and project-based learning and stuff like that, they almost have a false view that that means the kids get to do what they want and, and yeah. how they want to and that's, yeah. that's really not what happens, you know, right. the kids have much more ownership and voice and choice in what they're going to do but there's a lot of structure that goes in behind it and there is very explicit teaching because they only know what they know and that is our role mm-hmm. to, you know, build up that knowledge um, and activate that knowledge and the stuff that they don't know. So, yeah, my philosophy is kind of really about, you know, active knowledge making and and that learning is life and, you yeah. know, life is learning and that it doesn't have to happen within those four walls and and to try and make it accessible to all and
0: Yeah, I like how how you said that you really just build up the conditions for learning. I think that's a really good way to describe your role as an educator. I think that makes it, um, you know, like it just leaves the possibilities wide open.
1: Yeah, and I I think a huge part of that and something that I've learned as the years have progressed is that relationships are just key because if you don't know your learners, then you don't know how to build those conditions for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, that you know, there's no way of being able to engage every single kid in the classroom with the same thing. You Mm -hmm. have to, you know, like we can still get to the end result the same, but it's just the way that we get there has to be adapted slightly for for different learners. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and you know, and I've learned, you know, going in as a young teacher, I, I was in my early twenties, and it was scary to think that I didn't know all the answers. And hmm. you know, now quite regularly, um, when kids ask me something, it's like, you know, what I actually don't know. Let's find that out together. Yeah. So yeah. it's about you know taking your ego out of it and just being okay and and learning alongside them and and with them. Absolutely. So, yeah.
2: You know, and I, one of the things which I was which I was doing that I've always. Been telling Malia after after coming back from from New Zealand is that you have got to go see Ormiston. You mm-hmm. have got to go <laughs> see it. Um, can you can you talk about the just the school, just the atmosphere? Yeah. Uh, you know because it's you know when I when I went there, I was I, I came walking in and there was this group of three kids with like saws and drills and stuff, making, <laughs> making like chairs and tables. I'm like, what are they doing? And they oh, no, they're working on this and this, and, you know, and it was very well organized. And these people and these kids over in this area were doing something else. And so there was like these, just like this huge open room with kids doing all this stuff. Can you, can you talk about the philosophy um, and then, and then how, how students are engaged.
1: Yeah, Um, so I'm very fortunate to um, have been one of the foundation staff members to come on board at Ormiston Junior College. Um, And we were extremely lucky that we had a whole term. Um, So about about 10 weeks um, before we had any students and we could kind of unpack what we believed and our philosophies around it and our philosophies around learning and, and that kind of stuff. And so every single person that came on board were... Whilst not necessarily on the same within the same uh, on the same page, definitely within the same chapter of the book, as to the kind of learning experiences that we wanted to expose our kids to, um, and yeah, it is very one thing that we have done very very well is um, build the culture within our school. Relationships um, is at the heart of everything we do, where um, the learners. So we have year seven to ten. And they have what we call a MAC. So that is their advisory group. So we mentor, advise and coach them. And they stay with us for their four years. So they have that that advocate for them. You know, we've got their back. We get to know them on a more relational um, side of things. But we push because, you know, once we get to know them, we know, you know, when they're playing the game and and when we need to be a little Mm -hmm. bit harder with them. Um, We can say no when they're coming up with ideas for projects and stuff because we know that they've done something similar before. So it's really like that neck is the real heart of the school. And because of that, I think our kids are um, much more open and willing to try different things because they know they've got that advocate that's there for them. They know they've got that person that is um, supporting them to succeed. Um, So that's really at the heart. And that's often what most people that come visit um, our school say is that they can really feel that relational culture when they walk into our school and walk around our school. Um, There's that real, we call it in... um, in Māori, it's the whānau, it's the family feeling Um, and so then what you were talking about Fred and experience is what we call um, our tape projects and so there's a transdisciplinary authentic inquiry projects and basically what that is is um, within uh, the project time frame, whatever that is, sometimes it's a six-week time frame, sometimes it's a 12-week time frame, some week times it's like a four- or five-week time frame, um, depending on the theme or the focus that we're wanting to follow on. The whole school has the same big idea, but from that we break off into smaller groups and so there might be one that might have say quite a science heavy focus so there might be one that has a social sciences heavy focus um, or there might be one that's just quite generic and then the kids can go in there and and, and um, pitch for what they want to do um, and so what happens there is um, we provoke them for a good couple of days and, and when we provoke them it's with you know, experiences or trips or, you know, just a range of different things to try and get them to think outside of the box a little bit. And then after we put them through that provoking um, stage, they have to pitch to us what they want to do. So um, if it's a science-heavy one, then they might want to do some experiments and stuff like that. But there's always kind of an outcome that they're working towards. So at any one time, I might have... You know, I've had a group that were looking at the um, how high heels impact the structure of a foot and, you know, how it can change things. And then oh two God. minutes later, I'm, I'm working with another group that's looking into, you know, myths and legends and wanting to be able to storytell it through um, using LED lights and the laser printer on Perspex. Wow. Yeah, and then the yeah, next it's... minute I turn and I'm working with a group that are trying to build, you know, a space, Um, a base on Mars so
0: we're
1: specialist teachers in that we have our own specialty subjects but we also have to be very comfortable with being generalists as well Mm -hmm. and and being able to reach out to experts and you know and just I'll be working with a group and I'm like to be honest I have no idea give me a day and I'll come back with some experts that you can talk to or I'll go and talk to some of the other staff and see if they have suggestions so yeah it's it's exciting. It's a really exciting place, but it's a very, um, cognitively heavy place to work in as well. You do, you do sometimes walk out there feeling very drained because you, you can't, it's like I said, when I was in the UK, it was the same scheme of work, you know, rolled out and you can't like day to day. I genuinely, there'll be times where I will have planned for something and it's just not working and it goes out the window and I just have to roll with it. And, and I love that, but it's also quite training in the same sense. So
0: I, I don't know le- if
1: I've answered your question. First. No, 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 no.
0: <laughs> I want to learn my a little. Job. Can you tell? <laughs> That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about what that provoking stage looks like? Like how does that happen? Cause if you're, you said over the course of a couple of days, I think a lot of teachers would get nervous about not having a set plan for a couple of days. And, you know, with, (laughs) with the notion, I'm going to just thought provoke them today. You know what I mean? Like, can you talk Um, about what that's like?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, obviously every time I do it, it's something different and it, and it really depends on the context that we're focusing on as well. Um, the provoking phase is actually a lot more structured and planned um, in the sense that we go in with very specific things that we're wanting to provoke them through. So actually at that stage of the tape, it is, it, the teachers have a lot more control. It's once mm-hmm. that provoking stage finishes, that's when it that's right. starts to become a little bit more hands-off. Um, but it looks like, you know, we've taken them to trips to art galleries and museums just to get them thinking, you know, thinking like an artist. We've um, had, you know, we were doing one on forces and stuff like that, and it's creating marble runs and... Um, Rube Goldberg machines. It's you know getting them out into the local community and and looking at the the streams and the water quality. It really depends on the context, mm-hmm. but we try to make it as engaging and hands on as possible. And the the basis behind it is that whatever our context or our big idea is. Your natural go to project ideas that come up are usually the similar things as to what kids would come up with. So the provocation session is about trying to get them thinking outside the box. So Mm -hmm. what's naturally coming up to us is not the stuff that we would usually provoke them with. We take some time to think a little bit more outside of the box and go, okay, but what could this look like? Yeah. And then we provide them with experiences about the stuff that they might not naturally have thought of. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That that actually makes a lot more sense. And I think that will help educators feel more comfortable with, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. The, yeah. tackling it's a, a, a project role. in that way. Yeah. Yeah. No, no.
2: See, and that's that was what was really cool about it was that everything was organized. It was mm-hmm. like I was what
1: it was organized was, chaos. It, it, mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was and it was so cool because everybody was on was on task and in, mm-hmm. in fact when I when, when I was asking some of, your, some of your students what they were doing and their progress, and they're like, oh, well, here, let's look at my iPad and let's look at my, you know, score or my badges and, and the badges work. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and I was like, wow, this is, this is so cool. Yeah. Be, be, because what I, what I found at that school was that the students were taking ownership.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and I think that's what's, you know, that's what's key. And, and that's how that's how learning actually actually takes takes place is is once once those kids start to take, you know, start to take ownership. But um, so so tell us what what courses you 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 teach and some of your favorite subject or some of some of the favorite projects that your um, students have done. Um, well, I
1: suppose in terms of my specialty, I'm I'm primary trained but I have been teaching mainly um like English drama and social sciences for the majority of my career um so I came in with that so within our um timetable we still have numeracy and literacy so maths and English separate um and that's mainly for our community um you know, because they still love, you know, the reading, writing, arithmetic (laughs) kind of idea behind it. Um, We do mess with our community a little bit in the sense that our writing and reading program, so our literacy program is is based on, loosely based on readers, writers program, which, um, A lot of Americans and Canadians, because it's from there, are quite Mm -hmm. familiar with that. Um, So it freaks our community out a little bit in the sense that the kids still have a little bit of voice and choice when it comes to Mm -hmm. that, but we are teaching, you know, essentially what the learners need to know um, in order to create or craft those pieces of work. Um, Other than that, within tape, um, I would say some of my favourite projects, um, I had a group that – we, for our local um, iwi, so our local tribe, our Māori tribe, that have gifted us with names and stuff like that, um, they wanted to be able to tell their story, their narrative, uh, to our community, and so they did that through creating an orienteering course, and so. Oh, nice. Not, not a natural connection, you would think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they created a visual map of our local area and then each point that they had connected to something within the nai Thai who are our local iwi, within their narrative. Um, so it was like a learning course as they went round. And so then they learnt how to, um, uh, on Perspex, they learned how to laser print onto Perspex. So they created QR codes that um, then took them whoever was doing the um, orienteering course to a little bit of knowledge about, about our naitai iwi. And so that was really exciting. Um, Other ones I've done, we've, um, had groups that created, like, uh, got experts out in our local community and created an aquaponics system within our school, um, and tried it just, you know, using old tractor tires and they had to learn about the ratio of water to fish and and all of that kind of stuff. And I'm not (laughs) sciencey whatsoever and I'm not particularly green-fingered, so that (laughs) really pushed me out of my comfort zone, but because of that, I really enjoyed it, Mm um, The one that I just finished was um, I worked with another teacher and we went down a sports science route. And, again, I'm not science-y, but I took the physics and biomechanics component of that and worked with the learners while the other teacher took more of the physical side and, you know, um, planning physical activity and training plans and fitness programs and stuff like that. And the kids were just buzzing and and what they learned from that was just amazing and, you know, um, so... Yeah, huge. You know, different sounds variety. so cool.
0: Sounds super yeah. fun. Well,
2: well, can you for our for for all the all the listeners, they may not know what a what a what a iwi is. Can you oh, can
1: you talk? Um, about that? Yeah, sure. So um, our indigenous people within New Zealand are the Maori people. So they're what we call a tangata whenua. They're the people of the land. And um, around New Zealand, there were obviously different tribes. So they'll know the word word tribes. um, And iwi is just the translation of of tribe for us. So it's our local tribe to us. Yeah. Thank you. Great. No worries.
0: We had uh, Nick Patterson on a few, well, one of our earliest podcasts, actually, yeah. and uh, he recommended us to you. and so <laughs> i I wanted to know and maybe if you have collaborated together, I know that he's moved to Australia now, if you and your students mm-hmm. have collaborated together or if you collaborate on a professional level uh, still.
1: Yeah, um, we definitely keep in contact. COVID has really thrown us um, for a loop Mm -hmm. this year um, and especially where he is in Australia. So he's in Melbourne and Mm. Victoria, which has been really hard hit. Um, And so he's spent a lot of time at home doing um, digital learning. Him and I do um, Skype and and Zoom quite regularly and we are still in contact. Um, We did have a project that we were supposed to be, um, not myself, him and another teacher, but between our schools, um, we're working on a VR program together. Um, That's unfortunately had to be put on hold. But yeah, definitely the the connection's still there and it's not something we want to lose. He's very much a you know gets out and about and loves to try new things so that's that's something that we we will definitely be keeping in contact and and trying to make work I know he was wanting to bring some of um he's doing well he's trying to when he got over there was trying to do a lot of um, work with their indigenous people as well the aborigines Mm -hmm. and he was wanting to bring a group of those learners and teachers back here as well because he'd done a lot with um our iwis our tribes here um and he wanted to make that connect as well yeah
0: so, that's great yeah. i love that
1: unfortunately covid's you know yeah. thrown us for a loop about,
0: everyone the yeah. um he had shared with us that he had taken his students you know to conferences to present their work globally and mm. obviously covid has put you know a hindrance on that but i'm just curious are any of your students Um, sharing or collaborating at a global level right now, maybe virtually or are there plans to do that uh, in the future?
1: Yeah, um, at the start of this year before COVID actually hit um, a couple of our learners were working with um, some other students over in Hawaii. They were doing um, a collab on like native um, plants and things like that. Mm. They're trying to see um, what similarities and and things that were going on um, that kind of died a, a little bit of a death because of COVID. Um, yeah. We have also put together um, our learners when they were in home learning or digital learning and, um, we didn't go easy on them in the sense they still have to. Uh, every now and again, we try and play it, put on an expo. And so we decided, well, let's just do this virtually. Um, mm-hmm. So they all cre- had to create in some way, shape or form a virtual expo of the cool. learning that they were doing whilst they were at home as mm-hmm. well. And so that is just about to be um, pushed out on our social media accounts and stuff like that. But that's not necessarily working with anyone globally, but that's mm-hmm. just um, – if anybody wanted to see the type of stuff that our learners get up to when they're at home and that we're just teaching, yeah. you know, via Zoom. Um, so we didn't have a lot of input into the stuff that they were still, like Fred said, actively engaged in their own learning around. Um, this year we've kind of, we are just working more nationally. Yeah. We're doing a lot with our um, with our local iwi and with our local art galleries and and um, universities making connections there, but we've kind of had to stop Mm -hmm. internationally at the moment until everyone can kind of figure out how and what that looks like, (laughs) unfortunately. We're always open to it, though, so if anybody that is listening does Mm want to try and connect, you know, we'll give anything a go. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um,
2: So then talk about the current COVID situation. How are your your students doing? How's... um, How's your faculty doing? How's Katie doing? Um, yeah. you know, uh, with, with 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 all this that's that's taking place.
1: Yeah, and um, it's been tough. I think we've been very lucky in the sense that we are a little island nation, and we can close our borders. And you know, um, our prime minister was very resolute in what she was going to do about it. And so we are, for the most part, back. as normal as can be we're back in the classroom and and living life normally um it's it's been tough for our kids we did a lot of reflections with them and I know for my Mac in particular when we asked you know what have they struggled the most with and it has been that lack of connection this year's felt very up and down for them um they've felt that things have just Stopped at times and they haven't been able to see things through and they felt that a little bit demoralising. You know, you put in so much effort and work into something that then just comes to a halt and, and then by the time you come back it's kind of too long and they can't see a natural way to bring, you know, to carry on with what they were working on. Mm-hmm. Um, our staff are very, very tired. Yeah, mm-hmm. this, um, we've just had our two-week break um, between our two final terms. We're in our final term um starting to wrap up we finish um, early December for the year um, and I would say this two weeks that we've had it was three weeks ago has probably been the first actual holiday um, because we are a very relational school that even when we were supposedly on holiday we were touching Mm -hmm. base with our kids you know on a regular basis via Zoom um, which We loved, but I don't know how you find it. It is quite draining to try and read the room, you know, when some of them aren't turning cameras on or, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, it was, it's, it was been a very tough year. Um, Being back is lovely and the kids really appreciate it. And, you know, initially they loved the fact that they could sit at home and be in their pajamas and, Mm -hmm. you know, only had to check in with us at a certain time and then they could pretty much do what they want um mm-hmm. within, you know, their own time frame. But I think as time went on they realized how what social beings they are and, and yeah. why we say it's so important to make those connections and to collaborate with other people and to touch base. So it definitely has been a hard year. Um, one we'll quite happily put behind us and hope, <laughs> hope that next year is, you know, onwards and upwards. But we are very fortunate in, in New Zealand that it hasn't been as tough as I know it has been for a lot of other countries and schools and teachers. So we're yeah. very fortunate in that sense. Yeah. Now,
2: now, how has this um, changed curriculum or has it, has it changed and how? Yeah.
1: And, and, then, yeah. and then and then
2: Oh a, sorry, guy. Oh I'm sorry. And then, and then a and then a follow-up question. Um, how how do you think COVID's gonna change just education?
1: Mm. Um, we were very adamant when we came back, especially the like design team, the learning design team. So we're kind of in charge of curriculum design. When we came back, we were very adamant that we wanted to um, reflect on the positives that we have seen with digital learning and stuff like that. And, and what we have seen, um, and, and it's ironic in a sense that, you know, part of our role and what we're wanting to do is to build the capacity within our learners to be quite self-agentic and to plan and to understand that whole metacognition, understand how they learn to learn and, and plan and process all of that. And, um, And what we found is that when we went into lockdown and we were digitally teaching that our kids actually didn't need us. And it was quite um, confronting in a sense, because you were a little bit, you felt like you had no purpose anymore. So you were checking in with them and they were all fine and dandy and could, uh, you know, articulate what it was that they were going to do and what they were going to focus on. So um, whilst it was, fantastic to see because they were doing what we'd effectively you know been trying to build and strive for it it, it made you a little bit rudderless as as a teacher um but what we took from that really is that we are we're we're trying to see if we can go timetable um, which yeah. freaks a lot of people out. Um, it has been one of our kind of blue sky ideas since we opened in 2017. We, we desperately um, wanted to try it and unfortunately – it was not something um, that we put into place when we were smaller. And so now, logistically, it's a lot harder to do um, because we are growing and continuing to grow. Um, but it is definitely something that we want to play with. And if not necessarily timetable-less, then more, um, providing more ownership for our learners to schedule their day because that was the greatest um uh, feedback that we got from the learners was actually um, the growth that they saw in themselves was that wow. they could self-identify when they birth, you know when they best worked on numeracy mm. or when was best to work on on English or, or their project work, um, and they found themselves that you know self-scheduling meant that they were much more motivated and mm. and and it was exciting to see. So for us, that is one thing that we're desperately trying to fit in. We don't. We don't want the systems to override the fact that we've got such gold sitting there within our learners and such capacity within our learners. Um, But unfortunately, systems do play a a big role in the running of a school, especially as it gets bigger. So it's as a learning design team, we're trying to find that natural fit as to how we can kind of move forward with that, Um, yeah.
0: Can you explain what you mean by uh, the timetable list? What, What do you mean by that?
1: Um, so rather than, so we have what we, we call our timetable the TARDIS. We have a, one of our um, leaders of learning is a big um, Doctor Who fan. And so it's that time and relative dimension in space in the sense that our timetable can be collapsed at any time. We change it, the kids come back after break and, you know, we switch the timetable and they have to be quite flexible with that. And they're mm-hmm. great, but it is it is structured for them in the sense that every morning they start with advisory and then depending on which, um, so which family group they're in um, they'll either have literacy or they'll have numeracy and then the next block will switch and if they had numeracy first then they'll have literacy after it and then in the afternoon they have tape so they have the project-based learning so it is quite structured in that sense and what we where we would love to go in terms of timetable is, is that it's actually the staff that are scheduled on and then the learners schedule themselves in based on the workshops oh. that the staff are running or um, having to touch base with their advisory person. So they're scheduling that kind mm-hmm. of stuff in and around those compulsory elements that they have to, then they are scheduling when best, you know, uh-huh. fits for them to, yeah. So as a literacy coach, I might run the same um, knowledge or skills-based workshop three times over the course of the week and they must come to at least one of those, but at what time mm-hmm. is up to them. So,
0: okay. That's, that's interesting. I like logistics that. Behind mm-hmm.
1: it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we, we're really excited about it as well, but we just wish in hindsight and hindsight is great thing um, that,
0: <laughs> Isn't it? Uh, oh. that
1: we had, that we <laughs> had been brave enough to kind of roll it out in our first year when we yeah. only had, you know, a hundred or so kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously we were trying to meet the needs of our community where yeah. A brand new community our community didn't exist yeah. you know 10 years ago so it's kind of popped Gosh, up in the middle of nowhere so cool and- though and are and, uh, hugely a migrant, you know, an immigrant community and that's so used to kind of traditional ways of teaching and traditional time, you know, mm-hmm. timetables and schooling and stuff like that. Yeah. So already what we're doing is enough of a difference and a shock to them in the first place that, you know, we have right. to kind of take it easy and in, in small steps as to how much we can push or mm-hmm. mess with them a little bit.
2: You know, one of the things that I'm... Uh, we were one of the things that we that we shared is that one of the programs that we have is this online academic journal that we're ready to launch out and so i'm going to contact you and Katie to write about this and it's yeah. and, it, and it's you know and it's and we 're not talking like a huge paper but since 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 New Zealand is back in school mm-hmm. and we're still trying to figure things out here. Um, you know, we could. I'm, I'm, there's, there's a lot of educators that could learn a lot about about what your students were saying, um, hmm. because I, I think that's, I think that's one of the things that many of us in in academe have been telling teachers, at, at least those of us in teacher ed. It's like, well, since since our you know since our kids have like phones and they have internet, why do they need you? Yeah, um, you mm-hmm. know, and 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 with and with COVID, I think you guys have the answers. As well, and I
0: think them. that parents who have been, you know, helping their kids learn at home have a new appreciation for what teachers actually do.
1: Yeah. do. <laughs> yeah.
2: so, so you you know, you're you're kind of you know, New Zealand is kind of already in the future, mm. um, you know, post COVID. Um, and so, so I, I think, yeah, that that's that's valuable information. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you what do you hope to to leave your to leave your students with, or what do what do you hope that they will learn from you about about life?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I guess for me. Having come from a school where um, I worked with seniors as well, uh, one of the things that I struggle with with working with middle schoolers is that you, (laughs) and this this is really ego-based, is that you don't, reap the rewards of what, you, mm-hmm. what you're what you doing. Um, you know, like with the seniors, they're, they're genuinely grateful and they come back and, oh, you helped me so much blah, yeah. blah, blah, with this. With our learners, we're kind of building these skills and this knowledge and this capacity to be able to, you know, achieve in life. Well, that's what we're hoping. Right. And it's not until, I think, you know, two, three, four, five years after they have left us that they're probably, that the penny is dropping um Mm -hmm. and we have to be fair you know we've had some of our ex-pupils come back and we're like oh we get it now understand why you Mm -hmm. were you know pushing us to do this that and the other but I guess I suppose I just for me personally it's to build I want them to know that you know, life is learning and that we continue to learn all the time every day for the rest of our lives and it doesn't just happen within the walls of a school building and that it shouldn't be directed by uh, or dictated to by a teacher, you know, whose knowledge is most important you know, like they they should be accessing that and they should be critically evaluating that and I think for me mainly it's just that we, we're building dispositions and habits and skills that just set them up for life that that's ultimately what i want Mm -hmm. is you know them to feel that it doesn't matter through which pathway they take or where life takes them that we have helped build those dispositions and those skills and those habits that will support them regardless of what they're doing Mm -hmm. and i know that sounds really utopian and all fluffy fluffy it's It's supposed to be a utopian
0: question so (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's right
1: Our school is awesome and it's amazing and I love working there. But I don't want people to think that, you know, we've nailed everything and, we, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we've we got the answers to everything because we don't and I don't think any school does. But, you know, we are very realistic in the sense that yeah. there's still, stu- you know, gaps that we're trying to hit and, and we've got places where we want to get to and we are constantly working on that. But I'm not trying to frame our school as like this amazing utopian place because it is tough, like I said at the start, but it, it's definitely probably one of the best places i've ever worked in and probably will ever work in so,
0: yeah yeah well fred and i probably prop it up a little bit more than <laughs>
1: <laughs> than yeah. maybe we should
0: <laughs> but um and i think that's part of learning right that's part of like professional growth is just Um, understanding that, um, you know, you're proud of what you do, but you also understand Mm. that there is some work that can be done and you can always grow and develop and be better. So
1: yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. awesome.
0: The other thing that we like to kind of sum up our, our podcast with is uh, is your call to action. And this is the one thing that maybe future educators or current educators can take from you. And uh, like the one thing, and uh, what would your call to action be?
1: I think as a teacher, it's our responsibility for creating the environment for successful learning. Mm-hmm. So it's not the knowledge that we bring or anything like that. It's about getting to know our learners and then creating that environment that is going to make learning successful for every single person that is that is there with us.
0: Yeah. I love that. The conditions of learning, right? Like you said earlier. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: It's beautiful.
0: You shared with us your, um, your Twitter, which is Tracy Tate one T-A-I-T. Yeah. Um, so it's at T-R-A-C-E-Y-T-A-I-T one, the number one, um, on Twitter. Is that your preferred method for individuals to contact you if they, want to connect over curriculum or questions and yeah sure yeah.
1: um either that or my school email mm-hmm. which is just tracy with an ey at ojc.school.nz so perfect overall, yeah
0: excellent yeah. tracy i love hearing from you and you know your colleagues at ormiston gosh you guys have such <laughs> a cool thing going on down there i'm so jealous i wasn't able to join fred when he you know took a tour <laughs> But um, <laughs> I, I plan to. It is certainly on my bucket yes. list, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, the doors are always open. <laughs> yeah, and that's what <laughs> I hear, anyone, that you have a lot of
0: people who do like to come in and, and check out what you're doing because it is so innovative. And, yeah. um, and I, I just want to say thank you so much for your time and, um, you know, taking the time for us today and sharing your experiences because we've learned so much from you. So thank you so much. Yeah
1: oh thank you thank you for making it work because i know it hasn't been easy yeah Yeah.
0: time zones they're tough (laughs)
1: awesome